A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might think politics is tainted by compromise and sin and, well, yes, you would be right, but then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we'll be putting the spotlight on the Conservative Party conference in Manchester. It's where our guest, former MP David Burrows, will join us from. David now leads the work of the Conservative Christian Fellowship. He'll share updates from the group as well as giving us an insight into how his party is feeling with the general election somewhere on the horizon. But before that... Well, party conference season rolls on, and indeed, this week it is the Conservative Party's turn. They are currently meeting in Manchester to set out their stall ahead of the next general election. It feels to me, in my attempt to be neutral, that many of the policy announcements grabbing the headlines this week are intended to shore up the traditional Tory support and regain the backing of those who voted for the Conservative Party in 2019, but may since have turned away. Now, it's not been a happy couple of years to be a Conservative MP. Now, all parties contain a broad church of opinion and we can expect to see various different groupings promoting different courses of action on issues such as taxation, relations with Europe and, dare I say it, in inverted commas, the war on woke. There is always a degree of pendulum swinging in politics too, as voters decide that maybe one party has spent too long in power. But there does feel to be a little whiff of desperation, maybe just a last throw of the dice amongst some of the statements and speeches being made by ministers at the moment. Home Secretary Suella Braverman's speech last week to a Washington think tank set the tone for her party conference turn this week as she called for an overhaul of the United Nations 1951 Refugee Convention to addressing the current high movement of refugees across the world. Her approach would be to narrow down the definition of what counts and who counts as a refugee so that countries are required to take fewer in. In other words, to pull up the drawbridge against those fleeing war and persecution. The speech was signed off by number 10, but it attracted concern and criticism from some in her own party and from commentators as diverse as the UN Refugee Agency and her predecessor as Home Secretary, Priti Patel, not otherwise known as much of a liberal. My own concern is threefold. Firstly, to claim asylum should never be illegal. This is one of the fundamental principles of the Refugee Convention. Anyone fleeing their own country should be able to seek refuge elsewhere. We cannot assume that none of us will ever find ourselves in such a situation, in which case we will be very grateful for this principle to be applied. The receiving country needs to have a rigorous process to ensure that applicants have a strong and credible case for asylum, tested by independent evidence. And the UK does have a high bar on approving applications. But part of the current problem with our system is that it is not processing claims quickly enough. So that means that people arriving in the UK end up languishing in hotels or on barges, unable to work or contribute to society and slowly often sinking into despair while they wait months or sometimes years just for a decision to be made whether they can stay or not. This strips them of human dignity and agency and brings me on to my second concern. And that's the way in which much of the language around asylum seekers and refugees is deliberately designed to treat them as less than human. 
For example, referring to fellow human beings made in God's image as illegals or invaders encourages a confrontational us versus them approach to those who are different to us. It implies that they fall outside the reach of God's love and grace and justifies treating them in ways that we would find horrifying if they were our own friends and family. It's simply not on for a Christian, but I do fear that too many Christians who consider themselves otherwise thoughtful and faithful in their theology have been subtly persuaded by these false teachings which are associated with what many refer to as Christian nationalism. And that's why I believe the Home Secretary's speech and the approach taken by some newspapers and alternative news outlets are harmful and dangerous because they seek to split further our already divided society in pursuit of votes. And my third concern is this. So Ella Braverman posed the question in her speech. She said, how can we better balance national rights and human rights so that the latter, i.e. human rights, do not undermine national sovereignty. The clear implication of Suella Braverman's question here is that the power of the government trumps the value and dignity of human lives, that the entity of the state is more important than the people it has been set up to serve. There's a whiff of authoritarianism here that doesn't sit right for a politician representing a party that purports to be the one that backs freedom of individual versus state control. Perhaps this is why so many of her colleagues have distanced themselves from her speech. But the reality is that these divisive issues are likely to be raised more and more as the election approaches and as the different parties seek to differentiate themselves from each other. As Christians, we need to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves in seeking to discern what is in the best interest of our nation and our human family. Let's remain alert to these trends and let's pray that politicians on all sides do not get carried away with creating culture war divisions, but aim to put first their responsibilities for governing justly and fairly for the good of all. A mucky business with Tim Farron. Well, now to our guest, David Burroughs, former MP for Enfield Southgate and the founder and now parliamentary director of the Conservative Christian Fellowship. David Burroughs, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah, as you know, I'm uh, from experience of party conferences. I've found a corner uh, in um, Manchester Central Conference Centre, uh, but it's a great pleasure to take time out to speak to you as always, Tim. Well, thank you, David. I mean, uh, I mean, spent 12 years in Parliament as a valued colleague to, to me. You now lead the uh, Conservative Christian Forum. For people who are not used to party conferences, uh, we, uh, we really appreciate the hubbub and the buzz uh, and you sharing with that with us a little bit but tell us a little bit about what CCF is doing at conference yeah and it's a bit of retro I think there's you know you know you like the music it's like those old 80s bands coming back together and um, so with Tim Montgomery we started this gig um, in Blackpool Winter Gardens just to the hope that some other Christians uh, crazy enough to want to get involved in politics and want to um, engage to we started up a prayer breakfast and uh, and then um, it developed Soda Christian Fellowship from there, encouraged by MPs to, to do this. And then um, I've got back involved to try and um, help support it through this next season of life. So um, at the moment, what it's looked like is in many ways we're doing what we wanted to always do, which is bring together through prayer, through prayer breakfast in partnership with others. So bringing the, the Christian uh, communities in all their shapes and forms together with the political sphere. So we partner as we 
been doing this week, uh, this morning with Open Doors, looking at how Christians and government respond to the scale of persecution of, of Christians globally. Uh, we're partnering tomorrow with Trust for Trust, looking at hunger. Then on Wednesday, we're here fun looking at our responsibility to the environment. And then on Sunday, we have a conference service with CSW and others focusing on the issue of the freedom to believe, uh, particularly mm-hmm. focusing on Nigeria and its Independence Day and sadly the challenges for Christians there. So all those that partnerships with local church um, groups as well, just trying to build those relations and um, connect people together in the worlds of politics and the Christian life. And so the, the mood at, at conference for um, for a, a Christian who's there, as always, particularly a conference this close to a general election, there's often a bit of intrigue and gossip. It happens at all party conferences. How, how do you, how do we as Christians deal with that? I mean, in the bars and the different corners of the conference, people will be talking, thinking about people who are involved in politics. They like talking about it and talking about future leaders and all the rest of it. What's the right way for somebody like, you know, you or I involved in party politics to deal with, even engage with the the kind of inevitable gossip that you might get at a party conference? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's the same in whether it's the Commons tea room that I was involved in or a party conference when you're, uh, you want to, you want to be in there. So there's a, there's a, there's a tendency just to opt out, actually, and just stick in our huddle. And uh, we don't want to do that, and we shouldn't do that. So we should be there. And even if it's the late night out near the bar, um, uh, it needs, we need to be there. And I think just trying to hold out. And what I love is in Colossians that, you know, let our conversation be full of grace, mm. um, full of that knowledge of grace. Be gracious. And that's something which we don't see much of in politics, mm. that graciousness, um, even those who we wouldn't rather want to spend much time with, that graciousness, that, um, that ability to, to have conversations with a season result and mm. trying to just have that, that you know, that, uh, that, that, that attractiveness that's godly, uh, that in this politic world must be about service, must be about compassion, must be about truth, must be about humility. And actually, one of those conversations may be us listening, listening more, not wanting just to get our position out there, mm. trying to get something out of someone else and not being so transactional and more relational. I think even in the flurry, and I say that, you know, going off to the bars and conferences, mm. you know, I'm probably not the best of that either, but just trying to show that distinctive, salty um, seasoning mm. of conversations that um, that's so needed in our world. Well, now, so those who followed Liberal Democrat Party conference, many millions will have done, uh, will, will, will be aware that to get into our conference, you literally have to show your badge and maybe occasionally open your bag and you're straight in. It's not like that when you're in government, is it? So the, the kind of security around a government party conference is really pretty heavy and can perhaps make people feel a bit under pressure. But the other thing that happens at a government party conference is that you are at the centre of a maelstrom of lots of people protesting. How does that test your capacity for grace? <laughs> That's right. So you're in a long queue to get in like this morning after we had our prayer breakfast, you know, felt empowered by the concerns for our fellow Christians persecuted globally and how we can pray and act and advocacy. And then you get into a long, long, long queue. Uh, and you also are full of those who are um, hurling abuse and protesting and telling them what they think of the government, also mm. trying to shove different bits of information down you you have your uh, your eclectic band of uh, preachers out there you have um 
uh, you have uh, all the different lobby groups. So they all want to get their piece with you. And um, mm. yeah, and I think, we, you know, we still got to, to be gracious. I'm, I, I mean, I just, um, I won't mention them, but I noticed even coming in, you know, someone saying, look, can you come to this? Can you do this to a minister? And a minister walked by and said, no. And then they said, I said, no, thank you. And uh, and they and the people say so. No, he doesn't. No, I understand. He's busy. I said, no, no, no. It doesn't matter. You know, whatever position we're in, whatever position of authority. And there are some very gracious uh, ministers around, but you know, all of us need to, and particularly yeah. Christians involved. Yes. Yeah. If we're just ah, oh, you know, in our weak spots, we must still just show that common courtesy. Some would say the good manners that Wilfor spoke about, which was a wider morality, it was a wider making goodness fashionable. And mm -hmm. we must do that, even in the small moments. And you will know that in politics, there's times when we're just, ah, you know, that time when we're just a bit exasperated by that constituent with all that um, whole big bag full of stuff and we just got to the end of a surgery. And just still, just to show that uh, good grace, that good manner, and a really uh, just to, yeah, just to just to be kind, really. And that kindness and that love, which is in short supply, even in that queue, and in fact, even actually going through that security mm. with folk who probably just people say, oh, off you go. And, you know, they, to have a conversation, to, to treat mm. everyone um, with dignity is matters even in the big policy issues and in those small conversations. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. We're talking to David Burroughs, former member of parliament for Enfield Southgate and also the founder and parliamentary director of the Conservative Christian uh, Fellowship at Party Conference in, in Manchester. So the party is in a moment now where it's looking to its future, um, looking at new policies and, and new directions. To what extent do you think the uh, Christians within the party, through CCF in particular, uh, are having and can have an impact on the direction of the party going forward? And if, and if you think that there is a lot of influence, where do you think that might lead the party? So, so what we, we need to be able to do is encourage... Um, Christians at all levels of the party to be involved. I think there's a there's a big uh, uh, concern that people may just shy away from politics and party politics. And so our role is to encourage people in, and once they're there, to help them um, to just discern what, what's right from wrong. Here in this conference here, we're meeting with candidates who are just going through that long and perilous journey into uh, politics, into parliament, trying to encourage them to keep going. Um, and also just trying to recognise, particularly as the party of government, where there is um, a sense that some may not be happy with our direction of travel and some Christians questioning even the value of us being conservative Christians, saying there is an authentic place, uh, even in the times when you may have a, a beef with the government of a certain policy of, of, of indeed a, a worthy calling, being in a government that's been there for 13 years, that will have some opposition recognizing that and i've seen colleagues here that do just need to keep going and to you know keep basing on those faith that love that hope that really is both winsome and right and so uh, there's a real need for that and how we impact directly on government policy you know it's probably a long-term issue but it's about individuals and relationships with us it's about supporting people and partnering and recognizing that we have been there for the long term and we will be there um and Obviously, what we hold out is of eternal value, and it's trying to um, keep um, keep the faith there uh, with those that perhaps you know. And in this conference here, I'd say that you know, it's been a more muted conference uh, than 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 others. Um, and 
it's one where you know energy is is relatively low and so you know we're just trying to show that we're full of vitality and full of love really and uh i think that's quite infectious mm. I mean, you talk about being a muted conference, and I recall who knows what's going to happen next year. Be ninety-two, could be ninety-seven, could be something completely of its own sort. But having been to the Lib Dem conference in autumn twenty fourteen, when it looked like we were likely to leave office, and I think we left office in, should we say, uh, a more ejected fashion than even might happen to the Conservatives next year if it does happen. But there is this potential maybe for there to be a change of government next year. Um, maybe not. But given that that is an assumption, does that affect delegates at conference? Do people feel hopeful? Do people feel resigned, resilient? What What's the mood? Obviously, it depends who you speak to. Um, but um, nevertheless, uh, I mean, the, the mood um, is it's not resigned. Um, but I think there's a mood where there isn't as much hope as you'd always want before an election um, next year. Um, I think um, the thing that concerns me, actually, is a bit of a disconnect um, because you don't see so many members of parliament. Now, I think that's the same from all all party conferences, and it becomes then more of uh, those involved in the public affairs industry, uh, plus also some faithful delegates. And I, I always think that, you know, whatever is going on with the government and how they viewed, you know, Members of Parliament, and also those on the front line. Oh, it's you know, oh, sorry, those elected. Oh, it to those really on the front line, the grassroots, the people. I mean, you've Tim, you've been a great person of activating campaign for grassroots, and we must make sure we don't disconnect from those who who just you know knock on the doors, deliver leaflets, and you know do a lot. And they 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 do this in rain and shine, and and in some ways conferences, particularly for those with party government, they've got different audiences out there. They're looking for the message on the headlines and the news. Um, um, they aren't always there looking necessarily for those local activists. And I think the bridge to that often is members of parliament. And we don't see enough of those, not least at this conference, that would help help that connection. And that's, I think, what people want to do. They want to see their members of parliament, you know, in there for the fight. And we don't see enough of that at this mm -hmm. conference. Now, we were delighted to have your uh, colleague, Rebecca Smith, on the show uh, before summer. We were looking at... Uh, Christians who are standing for Parliament at the next general election. Um, so really encouraging. Rebecca is likely to be re-elected or to, to be elected I think in South West Devon and succeeding Gary Streeter. And it's great to see Christians, pretty young Christians, coming into to Parliament, whatever their party. What's the what's the pipeline looking like more generally, David, for Christians in the Conservative Party? Do we expect to see new many new Christian MPs coming from the the blue side? Um, <laughs> it's kind of you, generous. Um, the uh, I think so, actually. And I mean, I've been really encouraged coming, getting back more involved again in the social fellowship. How you know we have um, seriously good quality candidates who are on the list and in the process of going through selections. And we've got uh, you know, those, yeah, like Rebecca. We've got um, uh, you know, I won't name the others. Just. Um, just to um, spare your blushes on the Liberal Democrat side, but the, in <laughs> yeah. terms of the the um, who are hoping to to get those back, but or, but nevertheless, there's there are there are a good number coming through, and actually uh, that's been one of the, the great encouraging, particularly actually interestingly, that women actually there's some great Christian women who um, you know the hurly burly of politics which puts many off, and indeed the selection process uh, can put many off because it's 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 a tough not just convincing the audience. Uh, but also almost trying to make sure you've got sufficient numbers uh, there to, to support you. 
is something which, speaking to quite a number of women, it uh, seems to be male orientated in some way. But they've really come through well, and I'm I'm really encouraged actually that um, that you know that they are uh, taking on board this perilous journey. So so we'll see what happens in the election. But there's certainly uh, a good number of winnable seats um, as as I see it. Um, but who knows how it's going to go? But yeah, so it's, that's really encouraging and. And we're working, obviously, cross-party on that to make sure that there are candidates who really want to stand. And also, that when they get elected, they, they get support practically, meaningfully, and pastorally. As you know, those early days when we met, Tim, and we decided to pray together on a cross-party basis with Sharon, that uh, you, need, you need some support in lots of different ways along that journey. We need to be praying them in, cheering them in, um, and also when they get there as well, not just holding them putting them on a pedestal, uh, but really ready to pray for them, recognising they're fallen as well as the rest of us and need our Lord's grace and love and care uh, throughout that journey. Now, David, if you don't think this is too impertinent, maybe I could ask you whether you fancy a return. Is there, is there a possibility of David Burroughs being on a ballot paper next time? Oh, there's, a, there's a possibility. I mean, I'm a, on, I'm a candidate in principle. Uh, I, there's seasons for us all, and I see particularly a priority now to cheer, pray, support, um, and pass to those in at the moment, um, but also those coming through that pipeline. Um, there's a wider role, I think, of uh, the party's direction as well, which I want to be in, and that may be better outside rather than in. Um, and bottom line is my family have seen and had the impact of 12 years, and um, a lot of things would have to be right at location. The boundary changes didn't quite suit my local patch of Southgate, and so we'll see. Well, from what we see, uh, talking to Conservatives who are standing for Parliament and uh, and seeing the, the role that you have within the existing body of Conservatives in Parliament, you are doing a good job. Um, so I, I, I pray I'm returned and I pray that I will be meeting at least some of your colleagues in my Bible study group <laughs> once the election's over. Um, but David, we, we know how hectic it is at party conference. You've got loads on your plate. You've got a, a full fringe. You've got a whole bunch of people there, lots of gossip that you're not going to get involved in. Um, and uh, But nevertheless, pushing the direction of the party in the, in the right direction. So we're really grateful to you for finding a corner of conference to talk to us from and for giving us very precious time. God bless you and see you soon. Thanks so much. Always great to see you too. Well, each week we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It may be how an aspect of this world impacts us Christians who work within it. Or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer. So please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week, Colin has been in touch and he's got three questions rolled into one, which is absolutely fair enough. So the first is, do you believe in human rights? And then if yes, would you say that the right to life is the first of those human rights? And then finally, when does a human life begin? Well, I think the first one, do I believe in human rights? Absolutely. And I'd argue that unless you're a Christian or at least a believer in some kind of God, claiming you believe in human rights is a bit of a fallacy. I think if we are just accidents of evolution and uh, just a mindless science with no 
mind behind it and no metaphysical um, part of our existence or our, uh, our, our creation at all, then what are human rights? Well, they, they mean nothing, do they? They are passing fancies. I mean, they may be very good, but they're only of temporary importance. They're fashions. They're not anything that has any enduring, enduring status. But as Christians, we believe human rights are innate in that we are made in the image of God and that God uh, sets those out for us in the commands in the Bible. And we know, therefore, they are bankable and they have eternal significance. Certainly the right to life is one of those human rights. I think we shouldn't be ever sniffy about uh, human rights, but I think right to life is clearly one of them. And Colin asks, then, when does a human life begin? Well, there can be all sorts of debates about, you know, where the law, what the law should say about issues to do with abortion, which I suspect is what Colin is getting at here. But putting that to one side, I can't see, I can't see a, an argument for anything other than that life begins at the moment of conception. Now, um, obviously, we take different forms in our journey to through gestation and then our journey through our lives outside the womb. But it's hard to say um, that uh, human life begins in any sort of moral or intellectual uh, way any time beyond the point of conception. That strikes me as being the most obvious answer to that question. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, let's close in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for all of those gathering together this week at the Conservative Party Conference in Manchester. Pray you would protect them, keep them uh, safe. We thank you for the work of the Conservative Christian Fellowship, for David Burroughs and all those other Christians at the party conference this week. I pray you would help them to be salt and light in all the places that they are. I pray for wisdom and for guidance uh, for David himself, but all of the uh, Christians at the Conservative Conference who may or may not be thinking about running for Parliament next time. Give them wisdom. Uh, when is the right time to run for Parliament? When is the right time not to? I pray you would close doors and open doors in accordance with your will for all of those uh, who seek to follow you and who are at the Conservative Conference. And finally, we just pray for our leaders, in particular those who are our Conservative Party leaders, because they're the ones running the country at the moment, but for all leaders, that we would be truthful, that we would, um, in seeking to win election, we would also be wise and we would be truthful and we would look to the long-term benefit of our country as well as to tomorrow's headlines. So we lift all of these prayers up to you and all of the people at the Conservative Party Conference up to you uh, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premier.plus forward slash A Mucky Business. Thanks so much for joining us.